0: Welcome everybody to Career Strategy Saturday. I'm Michelle Hayward, and with me we have my friend and colleague Aaron Broder. And on Career Strategy Saturdays, we really focus on helping women of color STEM professionals get their career questions answered. Oftentimes, I I hear, and Aaron does too, um, from other women, uh, some of whom are in STEM because Aaron is in Cal California. Um, the struggles they're having in corporate America, but also some questions they have that they haven't been able to get answers to. So we wanted to come on and give an opportunity for women of color STEM professionals to ask their questions, to get answers so that they can move forward in their careers. I know the weekdays can be a bit of a struggle, so we thought we would try a few sessions of career strategy Saturdays to see if you have time then to engage and even if guess what you don't we still give you an opportunity to submit questions that we can answer live for you and you can catch on the replay so Erin why don't you tell um, everybody a bit about yourself
1: Perfect. So my name is Erin Browder. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation, Michelle. Um, I work as a leadership and organizational development consultant, and I have about over 10 years working in human-serving organizations. So the majority of my work has been centered in education, nonprofit leadership. Um, as a consultant, I've worked with healthcare systems and government agencies, basically people serving people. Um, Where I come in on, and as Michelle shared, I'm based in Los Angeles, um, but I do work across the country, um, depending where uh, some of my contracts are and just some of my uh, networks. Um, I come into career strategy from a different lens. Um, As a nonprofit leader, I found myself often working for, under grants, right? So federal grants that have a timeline, um, where, you know, I knew my time was up after one year, after three years. And so I frequently found myself um, looking for positions. And, you know, maybe after the first or second, I realized that this wasn't so much of a deficit. You know, we talked to a lot of people that are wed to security. And, you know, once you get a car- in a career, you die in that career. And so they couldn't make sense of how I was going from one position to another without really losing my footing. Um, I was able to kind of master uh, a strategy so that, you know, even though my employment or the organizations or the uh, grant line or funding lines changed, I was still progressing towards my career goals um, as a leader in my field. And um, when I transitioned to becoming a – or to become a consultant – I found that a lot of the leaders that I've worked with, this was an area that needed some strengthening for themselves, right? Because, you know, just because they've been in the system for 20 years does not mean that they have to relegate their own career goals to what someone else sees for them or what positions pop up, that they can still really be driven and have a blueprint of where it is that they want to go within a given timeline. At the same time, I met several people, and I continue to meet them, that are looking for a career change, right, that enjoy what they do, but they know that this just doesn't feel like a forever um, career for them or, or position that they're in at that moment. And so how can they transfer their skills without sliding all the way back, right? You know, that's a, a common concern that I hear. And even as I kind of went um, through you know different application processes i really recognize the fact of well i won't say the fact but the lack of preparation that
0: we lost your sound no we don't have your sound i'll
1: just speak aloud um is this okay can you hear me clearly? yeah you're a little low but we
0: can at least hear you
1: okay so interesting i don't know what's going on here um Okay, well, I'll continue, but just sharing how, you know, despite all the degrees and experience that we have, have, maintaining a career strategy and updating it is something that a lot of us just weren't prepared to do. Yes. And I have two masters, I have an undergrad, I'm actually in doc, my doc, getting my doctorate now. And in none of my programs did I ever receive any type of career um, strategy or someone who can help me really personalize where i'm headed for my skill set my interests my life experiences and so i found myself trying to fit into like these narrow holes that other people have set for me um, depending on what the job responsibility is or where the organization is but i realize now that it is more of an exchange and the more that i position myself as someone who is also a catch not just you know the salary package and the benefits um, that it gives, it empowers me and it gives me um, more uh, assets to negotiate um, in the application process and in looking for
0: um, positions. Got gotcha. you. Okay. That was very, very deep. And it's actually what reason why we are here because we get those questions, like you said, changing Industries and not wanting to go back to entry level because a lot of times women, for whatever reason, want or believe they have to go to entry level when they switch industries. And that's the furthest from the truth because we don't focus on the skill set in which we have um, gained over our time in corporate. Even if it's five years or 25 years, there is a core skill set. And entry level is not where we have to go most times. Um, because we do know so much, we just have to frame it properly in order to be seen as that expert and have those transferable skills into an industry. And I actually had somebody who tried to, well, no, you come in entry level, like, why would I come in entry level? I was like, the only thing I don't know is one, two, three, and you don't want anybody that wants that knows everything because they're going to get bored and they're going to quit. And so the person looked at me in the real what issue for them was how much I cost. What was my salary? Their fear was how much they would have to pay me for my expertise. So they were trying to convince me because I wasn't um, familiar with that industry. I should come in at a lower level. Honey, no, that is not how this works. Um, and so they valued what I had, but, but were afraid of how much I would cost um, salary wise. And I hear that often too.
1: Yeah, you know, you touch on a really important thing too. And that's why it's really important for us to be grounded and mindful in this process of looking for positions, really understanding the full context of, you know, where we're looking at and how this position, you know, the one that we're the most interested in fits in the scope of, you know, work of that organization. Because when we are in desperate places where it's like, we just have to find a job or we just need to leave Oh, you changed it? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Where we have to find a job or um, we just need to quickly exit where we are, then we're in a more reactive space. And so we can't negotiate with the example that you just shared. We don't really have our blinders open so we can see all of the ways that We can, you know, really be firm in what we're willing, our limits, what we're willing to um, give, and then what we need in return. So then we make concessions and then you accept a position that really doesn't feel like the right one for you, but you're in a space of like desperation or just unknowingness. And so you kind of walk in and you listen to what someone else is telling you instead of really having a
0: plan, right? Exactly. absolutely and and it comes down to also us understanding our our worth um when we understand not first what we are truly what we know what we are expert at and those can be two different things and our worth we then are more empowered to truly go after what we want and truly say you know what no this is not a good fit even if the salary is right, we think it's a great place to work because we understand these things, we can make better decisions. And sometimes it's the worst offer, like, you know what, this is not what I want at all, even, even going through the job search. So what I encourage women to do is really, really look at what do you know, what are you an expert in, and what are you excited about? Because- you if none of those things really, if it's that one thing that excites you, is truly, truly important. I remember um a few years ago talking to a friend, um, and he was an executive with this financial institution, but he worked with the community and he got a promotion, and they were moving him. He got this great promotion, he quit. He quit because He wasn't doing what he was passionate about. He wasn't doing the new role. Didn't have him connecting with the community anymore. And he realized what it was within before, within like six or eight months and he quit and he created a business where he could do what he was doing in corporate and connect with industry. And it's interesting to see men recognize it so much sooner and say, you know what? No, this is not it. And, um, and yeah, women kind of I mean, just take, just everything. roll with it. Say that. I'm sorry, Erin.
1: No, I was just saying, yeah, because we as women, we try to make everything work, right? We're yes that paradigm where it's like if we just keep trying harder, if we just do more, you know, we add more and more to our plate, um, and then we assume that something is wrong with us when things aren't kind of turning out the way that we um, intend them to.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. And I would encourage more women to spend the time actually focusing on those three areas what do you know What you're expert in and what do you like doing and you may find that what you like doing you can't make a living off of right <laughs> what you love doing so somewhere in between what you know and what you're an expert in hopefully you like something in there um, and you would not mind having a career from it. So one of the, one of the uh, questions I get, or not even a question, I said, oh my God, you're an expert in this. And I see somebody in my Instagram feed and um, she, she posted where somebody said in the article she was an expert. And she was like, I don't know if I'm an expert. She's like, I'm well versed and i know so many things let me tell you something women already get harped on when we self-promote somebody else call you expert you didn't say it guess what you about to do yes i am the expert as stated in whatever scientific journal that is and own that and from there go go with it so when when it may not be in an article but what you'll see in your emails text messages phone calls Um, business to your cubicle because you may not be in an office, right? What are people consistently coming to you for? What are they asking you to solve? And that is oftentimes where you find out what you're really good at because sometimes it's really um, innate to us and we can't see what we're truly good at and gifted at. And that's how it's, and it ties into how we're doing or excelling in our career. So sometimes you you don't even know. So it's two resources I'll share a little bit later that women need to, I, I highly recommend women tap into, especially if we're very analytical because we can't see that part of ourselves. Uh, we do a lot, we give a lot, but we miss what is truly innate and gifted among us. And once you know what that is, definitely go with it. Go ahead, Erin.
1: Yeah, no, I would also add that sometimes we don't value it, right? So- for me, one of the things that I need is to build community. So a lot of the work I do is around workplace culture and, you know, creating effective collaboration and, you know, conflict resolution and just things that really create a positive thriving organizational culture. And, I'm so, I I was so wrapped up in the process or the research and the science that when I was, I finally had some mirrors in my life, just coaches and different support people, you know, really explain like, oh, well, you like to build community. I'm like, what, you know, (laughs) like, what does that mean? Like in an organization, there's no community, you know, like community in the sense that we often use it. And once I kind of let that settle with me, I realized that I was the one that was refusing you know, that awareness because I hadn't placed any value. I'm like, well, I can't say I'm a consultant who builds community. And the truth is, yes, like in our teams, in our workplace, we want to feel that we belong. That's all about community. We want to know that we have similar interests and similar goals and we want to share our gifts. I mean, it's all community, but it was just something that I was like, you know, how am I making money? Why do I have all these degrees? Just build some community. Yeah. Um, and i just i needed to kind of like sit with it and accept it and now you know it's one of the significant things like if i can't do anything i will not accept a position um or even contract work where there's no interest in like building community within an
0: organization. I, I i love that um and, and Oftentimes, women are great communicators, and we devalue that, and it's truly important that we we hold on to that. So what I say to women, because you said something about community, when it comes to being able to communicate and build community, those are truly key skills for any leader. If you cannot create community and you cannot communicate, you cannot lead. And because women are so great at this, they, they oftentimes are some of the best leaders. Where we may lack is, like you said, we don't want to own it. And so when you say community, what I heard was you know how to create and build up people within your team so that your team can execute well and you build up those people so that even days you're not feeling well, days that you're not there, when you're not available, they don't stop. They understand why they're there, who they're serving, so they keep going. And let me tell you, if you've ever, if you're ever in corporate, ever in nonprofit, and you ever work for a true leader, that one person who's really a leader, and all these other people you've worked for are managers, it is completely eye-opening. Yes. And so it's truly important for women women of color, especially understand how oftentimes you have that skill set to lead. You're not only leading in your home, your church, your nonprofit organizations or volunteer organizations, I should say, but you can lead in corporate. And, it, and seeing that and understanding that and harnessing that really, really is important because they may not give you the leader title. They may not give you the management title, but this is what they'll say. Aaron You're really good with communicating with other departments. We're trying to pull together A, B, C, D for the company. We'd like you to go to these other departments and convince them they should do one, two, three. Guess what? A manager came to you because they know how to manage stuff, but they don't know how to lead. They don't know how to communicate, but you do. And we're sitting there like, oh, I got more work to do. No, you know what they just gave you the opportunity to do? To meet with every other manager in that department, in various departments, and to be seen and heard as a leader in that organization. And oftentimes we don't harness those opportunities and really turn them to position ourselves in a different way. So I always, I love it when. A manager thinks what they're doing is really giving us the grunt work, and we can flip it to wherein it's giving us the limelight. It is showing us as a leader, as an expert, as the go-to person. And when opportunities come up, you know, I remember that Erin lady from um, the engineering group on fourth floor. She did an excellent job, and I had a question a couple of months ago about some paperwork that came in, so I just called her. She didn't have the answer. But she knew who to send me to, or she was able to break it down in a way that I understood it as an accountant. And when you understand what you're truly gifted at, it positions you a completely different way. Yeah,
1: I would even add to that too, um, Michelle, that that's why the strategy work is so important. Yes, We have a strategy, then you realize I'm not just doing this for the hell of it. You're doing this because it fits in your plan and maybe it doesn't look like that at first, but now that you've done it, you can go back to your plan, your goals, and show how this experience is uplifting this skill set or sharpening this skill set. And even when we think about those hidden abilities as women, you know, another thing we do exceptionally well that all leaders need is influence. Yes. I tell you how many people I help just even bring awareness to the fact that they are influential and then yeah. how to leverage that in other situations. Change. Ain't nobody more prepared for change than women are, right? <laughs> we are constantly changing. We've been changing since puberty and even before that. Like, we welcome change. A lot of my work is change management. The fact that, you know, I have women leaders that doubt themselves and their ability to move groups, that is that is like unnatural for us. (laughs) That's something that we can do. Obviously there's skills and there's ways that we all can support each other. I'm definitely not negating that, but the ability to accept and flow and adapt to change is something that's really inherent in our biological and, you know, psychological life experiences as women.
0: I absolutely, absolutely agree. Okay. So I want to get into uh, one of the questions we received Um, And it says, I applied for a role which would have been a promotion, but I didn't receive it. When I talked to my manager, he said I wasn't ready, that I needed to be more vocal and to show my knowledge for for the area I applied to. My issue is whenever there's a question In this area, he comes to me and no one else on our team. What can I do to get the promotion the next time? So it's interesting that the manager knows what this, this lady is good at. But for whatever reason, I'm thinking he does not see her as a leader or being able to, he's seeing her more as a resource, but not somebody who can lead. And my advice to her is you have to exhibit your leadership skills. Um, And when he says be more vocal, let let me take a step back. There is, you have to, being vocal in your workplace, you need to understand the culture of that workplace. Will you get pushback when you advocate for yourself? Oftentimes, what we hear is when women advocate for themselves, they get horrible pushback. When they advocate for other women, they win more. So she may have to position and partner with other women within the organization. So they're advocating for each other and be strategic about that. Um, number, t- number two, um, that's just in speaking up, but how to sh- exhibit your leadership skills. When you're giving tasks, pull aside two to three other people on your team to meet with and to structure how that work is done. You don't just do the work. You actually delegate it to other people. Your manager is going to be like, well, I wanted you to do it. Well, like, well, you wanted me to exhibit my leadership skills. So I'm, I'm exhibiting my leadership skills. I already have A, B, C, D, E, F, G to do. I can teach them how to do it, check it to make sure it's right and be able to deliver it to you in a timely fashion by delegating work because guess what? That's what leaders do. So you have to have that strategy on how you're going to show that you can lead. And a lot of times it is not by doing the work. It is by making sure the work is done the way that it needs to be done on time and with quality. And so we we get into that, oh, I have to get it done. No, you just have to make sure it is done. And delegating, let me tell you something, it's the best, it's, it's better than apple pie. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. But you
1: also want to make sure that it's being seen and not in a like super braggy way, right? But just in a way, you know, I would even say kind of in line with what you're at, what you shared is, you know, offer to lead a project. And, you know, walk your um, manager through your, your process of how you're going to execute on that. Yes. And, you know, just constantly come back to them and debrief, you know, what you learned, but right. just really just position yourself. Um, I like that you mentioned you're a seen as a resource. This was something I had to get out of my own self, especially in a lot of my speaking and different ways that I've supported uh, organizations in the past is that I've always positioned the knowledge or the research or the science and then I'm just the person facilitating it when the truth is I'm the filter, right? I have culture transformation experience. I have, you know, I don't know, professional development and like building team capacity. Like those are my experiences that I then integrate with the content and that's how I deliver it. But when I'm constantly... Excuse me. I'm um, delivering the knowledge, and I'm saying, "Well, you know, Smith 2015 says da 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 da." Then they see Smith 2015 as the expert, and not me and my experience. So, just really leaving your stamp. And again, like you mentioned the why the strategy is so important because you know where you want to go. And so you can leave your stamp strategically on this work. Like what's the way that you can do it that no one else can do it. Once you know, like what that thing is, you love for me, building community, I'm going to find a way to build connection in executing this project that will separate me from the pack and make, you know, me more desirable. If the, position is what I want, you know, moving forward, the direct promotional opportunity.
0: But I, I would also say, I'm thinking just even before you would have applied for the position, does your manager know where you want to go with your career? Because you, if yes. in many organizations, your manager has to buy in and has a say in whether or not you get that role. And if you're not sharing with your manager, at least annually, and I would say do it quarterly of where you want to go. And I say at least do it annually, which is doing your performance review, because that is a very particular time where you can tell most of the times whether or not they're for you. And they may be for you leaving because they've seen your growth and they know you're ready. They may not be for you leaving because they're lazy as hell and they know you, you get their work done, right? And so you need to tell them or at least kind of figure out where it fits. And I, and I say this, um, one of my younger sisters, she, uh, she did a really, really great job and she kept trying to get promoted. And what she found out was her manager did not want her to leave and block every single one of her promotions because she, got, she made sure the work was done even when the manager was gone. And she was so frustrated. She was like, you know what? Maybe I should just stop doing a good job. And our mom was like, girl, no, that is not what you do. <laughs> so, but she was like, so it was it was telling my sister, you have to go talk to other people in the organization and find a role wherein she, or find somebody who can overpower her vote, right? So it may have been a VP or a director that said, you know what? No. This person is getting this role, and this is why they get the role. And she was like, because she was just frustrated, because she's seeing all these people who were not as good as her, who knew less than being promoted. You know why the manager wanted to get rid of them? They weren't helping her out. My sister was. So you, it was, and you can get frustrated like that, and and start doing what will negatively impact you, instead of saying, you know what, this is the obstacle. Let me come up with a strategy a way to maneuver around this person, this obstacle, so I can get to where I want to be. So let's say your manager is on board for you to have this promotion, right, to go for this position. She or he at that point should be telling you, you know what, this is where you are covered. You have all of these things right here. These one, two, three things you're lacking in to get this role. So in the next three months, six months, nine months, whatever, let's really work on that and come up with a plan right? Because it is your annual review. You should be planning ahead for the next year to get you ready for that role. And when you do that, that helps you more than you just applying when it becomes open, you already prepared for it and your manager has buy-in.
1: Yeah. Depending on the organization and kind of the promotional structures and the salary scales and all of that, um, sometimes you can have your manager meet you in the middle. So sometimes you might, without having the salary in the interim, you can change your title, right? Yeah. But that's still something that's very valuable. Maybe you go from director to senior director or, you know, senior manager to senior manager. Yeah. So there's ways of, you know, negotiating and using that strategy to help you get to where you want and then having some compromise in between if you know this place is the place you wanna stay at or if you know the mentorship that is coming from your manager is something really important to you, you don't wanna kinda of turn your back on it, but then you still need a little you know, carrot for yourself, a little incentive for yourself.
0: Yes, okay, this is the next question and I love this question, we, this is so popular, okay. I have applied for a position outside of my employer for a role that I have been doing at my current employer, but I don't have the job title. Should I have not applied for the position? Okay, first of all, you apply for the position. It's too late now to worry about what you didn't.
1: <laughs> and absolutely, just apply. Mm-mm.
0: So this is what one of my friends and I, we, she, she like, I apply for stuff. She like, I knew forty percent her current position. she's like, I probably knew forty percent of the job. And she like, she like, I apply like a mediocre white man. <laughs> she was like, they don't be knowing nothing. Why I have to know stuff? So she like, I just what are they gonna do? They gonna tell me no? That's the worst thing that can happen. But what often happens is. Companies don't want to pay us more, but they want the work to be done. They, don't, they won't give you the promotion. They won't even do you a title change because in some organizations, when they do a title change, they have to do a pay increase. They can't get around it. So what they'll do is they just give you the work, right? Oh, you're the interim. And with interim, they give no pay increase. Or we're short staff, so we're going to split up the work. But you get 90% of the work. The job title does not matter. The ability to be able to do that role is what matters. So if you know or feel or believe that you can do it somewhat, possibly on a rainy day, hopping on one foot and your thing on your nose, apply for it. Because because a job title doesn't matter. And the other thing is job titles from employer to employee in the same industry will vary. They do not know. So I have seen places Where people have been a project manager, like, that's all your project managers do? You only have a budget of a million dollars? I'm like, you know what I can do with a million dollars? Not much on a capital project, right? But a a project manager one has projects up to a million. I'm like, dude, seriously? What about a hundred million? And they're like, oh my God, well, we don't have that type of budget here. And I'm like, for real? I said, maybe that's not the role for me because I don't know what to do with little money. (laughs) A million dollars is a little money to me. A hundred million? Oh, I got things I could do. So you really need to look at look at it, look at the roles as to what you want to do, what you know how to do, and what you're an expert in again, and not be like, oh, my God, I should. No, apply. If you think you're going to like it, apply for it. Not even if you're qualified.
1: In your cover letter, like in all the aspects of your interview process from your cover letter to your resume to your interview that you are really aware of what skills you have that are in line to what they want. And then, um, and then talk to that despite the title. So don't let them dismiss something like the title should never really tell the whole story. That's where all those other pieces come in. Um, So just make sure that you're being really diligent in giving the examples or, you know, um, the different steps you took in a process in your cover letter or during the interview that can kind of assuage like some of the concerns that they might have because you don't carry that job title. But yeah, I would never not apply to a job because of a job title. Like apply to the job, you know. I've never been an executive director, but I've supported closely. I've partnered with executive directors. I've partnered with direct, you know, like senior administrators. And so if I wanted to apply for that level position, I'm sure that I'm as qualified as, you know, someone who might have, you know, I have different qualifications, I should say, as someone who has done that work.
0: Okay. So I don't know what to do with little money. Okay. So, um, and I just want to wrap, uh applying for jobs. Don't apply for a job. Be the solution to the problem Absolutely. that an employer has. And that is complete, that's a completely different mindset. And you're like, what the hell am I talking? What are you what the hell are you talking about, Michelle? Okay. When you apply for a job, you are checking off what they say they need. No.
1: You're making yourself fit into what they...
0: Exactly. When an employer has an issue in their company, an issue in how they manage projects, an issue on how they do injection moldings, an issue in how their power goes through their grid, and you say, you know what? I can fix that. You just need to understand A, B, C, and D, and they'll be like, what? And so you're not applying for the job you're going directly to the hiring manager and saying, I understand you have this problem. And they're sitting like, wait, what? How do you know that? Oh, the streets be talking, right? <laughs> and the same thing with- your t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens is when you present yourself as a solution, you get to write your own job description, your own job title. And they say, well, how much um, we have to pay you? And they're going to find the money. And it, and it, because when you're, so when you're, it's sort of like this, how many of you have ever had your car broken down and you just need it fixed, you know, okay, I won't get my hair done. I won't get my nails. Done. Like you start because you have this problem and the mechanic is saying it's $700 and you're like, I don't know. I, I'm going to come up with it by by Friday, Right. You're going to find a way to pay that bill because you are in so much pain. You have this problem. And that mechanic is taking you out of that pain. You don't negotiate the price. You just go look for the money. And that's what organizations, especially women of color, because we solve the problems, we don't see that we solve those problems. And because we solve them, guess what happens? They're willing to pay us. But we don't present ourselves or we don't see ourselves as being able to solve those problems. And changing that, I I remember talking to a a recruiter, and um, he was like, oh, they need this, this, and this. I said, I started asking the recruiter questions. Usually they don't know that much. This particular recruiter knew enough about the client and the project. Well, they've never had this, this, and I said, oh. Well, that's the problem. He said, what you mean? I said, they can't do this job unless they know. And I started telling him why. He was like, oh, wow. He said, I said, but not for this price. I said, when they're willing to pay, call me back. But not, I said, and I told him, he's like, ooh. I said, exactly. I said, that's their problem. I said, they're not in enough pain yet because we keep turning on our lights. They aren't willing to pay. So sometimes the pain and the problem's there. The customer or the employer, I should say, it's not in enough pain to be willing to pay you. But guess what? That don't mean you go in there on the low. That don't mean you still give it to them for a lower price. Well, all we can give you like, oh, for real? That's too bad. When you're able to do better, call me back. I might be available. And guess what? I might not. Let me know.
1: Well, we need to always do our research, too, right? Like, what's market price or what's the, you know, salaries going in other positions? I always recommend having, like, multiple um, options in front of you, even if you're not ready to leave your company and stuff. There's still, like, confidence that we get from knowing, like, I could go, I could leave out this door right now and be, you know, hired XY, you know, at this place. Yeah. Truth is, we are so hireable. Like yeah. people, like, another place that we don't give ourselves value. We have all these degrees. We have all this experience, the skill set. We do fit boxes when it comes to diversity and inclusion. Women of color, we are totally hireable. People yeah. want us. And so the more that we kind of like, you know, embody that in addition to um, knowing that we're the solution, that we can negotiate and make sure that we're in a position where we're seeing we're heard um, and we're respected both in our compensation as well as the different, you know, opportunities that are ahead of us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree. I wanted to pull up um, something from Twitter. like the
1: video is still on me. Do you want it to change to you?
0: Um, no, no. It's, it should be changing.
1: It's all good. It's fine.
0: So let's see. Do I have it? What did I do? Okay. So I meant to, we'll we'll figure it out. I had it on gallery view, but I'm guessing you don't see it um, on gallery. So I had it on gallery. Okay. So I wanted to go to a tweet. Somebody tagged me in two three days ago on um on, uh, on Twitter of course because well it's a tweet but of course I was in a Twitter chat this morning uh, and I forgot to <laughs> save the tweet so I'm probably gonna go to another question and then um, come back to it wait I may have found it no I didn't um. Oh, come on. Okay, let me just go to another question because I really, really want to talk about this tweet because I, I see it so often. It has been two years since my last raise. How do I approach my manager about receiving a raise this year? Erin, I'm going to let you go to this one. <laughs>
1: Okay, there there's several ways to come back, to come to this question. Like, the truth is, there's definitely money for a raise. It may not be the raise of your dreams, but if y'all are, the doors are still open and people are functioning, and money's coming in, you know, depending on the industry, there's an opportunity to have it. Um, in four years, my first ris- my first um, Response is that there, that it's very clear um, that there's there's clear documentation so that you know all the times that you haven't been given a raise you know like what are the reasons for that you know and that that's being documented and if it is something where there's like well there's just not enough funding or we're not getting enough clients and so on and so forth that you have the research that shows, well, we did get these five clients and this is the money that we're um, working with in our budgetary um, constraints. And you know, this still isn't adding up. Um, I will say once I was denied a raise um, and I was told it was because um, I didn't exceed my goals or something like that and i took it the first time you know like i took it as we had this conversation and then i left and i'm like wait a minute like i've done everything that was asked of me in fact um, i inherited a team where someone was not the best fit for that work i brought home some of that work and gave it to my boyfriend at the time because he was an excel genius and i needed him to like analyze some data so i'm like wait a minute i've done the job of like 10 people and i had him you know as a, a member of the team a silent member Um, I've definitely done the work. So I made another appointment. I came back and the leader finally like told me that I was hired at the top of our scale and that the other directors needed to, you know, have some sort of raise so that we can all start to be in the same um, general range, which this is my first year of working there. So it's a much different situation, but I appreciated his transparency. I wish he would have been more transparent from the beginning because I understand certain things like that. But, um, I guess in that situation, what I learned was, okay, you know, like I, I heard them out, I kind of sat with it for a bit and then I got my ducks in a row. I have my evidence, I have those things, um, together. And I would say there's really no excuse for someone to not have a raise after four years, especially in a for-profit industry. Now, some of the other places I work for healthcare, education, you know, like there's certain other constraints that are happening where no one is getting a raise Um, but I would say you know like having that research um, maybe talking to um, someone at HR just to learn more about you know in that company like what are the um, you know what are the things that are needed to have um, some type of um, what do you call a pill to not getting the raise Um, and then I guess, I guess where I, I hesitate a little bit is like, what's the deeper context behind that? Right. Like are other people getting raises and you aren't, um, and if so, what are they doing? Are you documenting like your growth and change, you know, like throughout the time, like based on your old performance reviews, this is where all that documentation really, I would say from the first time you are denied a raise, then that's like a flag of documenting everything. Yes. So that you can show, wait a minute, for quarter three, I exceeded this goal, like da-da-da-da-da, I brought this much money into our company, I saved this much um, in the budget, you know, just different ways that you can, um, you know, uh, trying to think of, like peacefully argue, you know, for yourself. Um so that you're not putting that person in, in a defensive mode.
0: Okay. I, I I agree with all of that. Um, what I would add to that is asking them why you're not getting a raise because somebody actually told me um I wasn't getting a raise. And I said, really? Well, you know, the company isn't doing well. I said, interesting, because you guys gave out the bonuses. And they were sitting there like, oh, shit. Exactly. So let me explain how this works. And I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to say, this was a person who was brand new to me. They didn't knew we had worked for the same company. But they worked in the office. I would always been construction. And I was like, on this job, I'm doing way less than I did on the last job. So what I'm not going to do is not get a raise. And I sat there and broke down to this man who was new to this particular part of energy sector on how shit works. And when I said he looked looking crazy, I said, so make sure that race comes through. And y'all sitting there like you didn't, I did. Because that meant was you ain't got nobody in there that know what the hell I know that's willing to live out here. You might have people in the office, but the client doesn't want people in the office. They want people in the field. And at particular yeah, time, yeah,
1: that's another value, definitely yeah. a space to add um, value, yeah, to negotiate.
0: So them understanding what you know, the dirt you know, <laughs> the dirt you know sometimes can come back to bite you, but also how you can position the project, the team and that particular manager to win. The other thing I would, I would say do, and, and as Aaron said, do your due diligence, is find out, go to your um, employer's job section of their website. See if they are hiring for your role. See what the pay ban is that they're hiring for. If it's giving you a dollar amount, guess what? you need to be going in like this is what you're paying for now I'm way under that this is not going to work this is what you're about to do and I actually had a, a former classmate this is some shit that her employer did a few years ago it's been many many years now probably closer to like 10 years ago for people who had come in like two years to a certain date they they didn't freeze their salaries. Everybody that came in after a certain date were paid at a higher rate and got certain, so many more vacation days than people who had come in two years prior. And they were like, why aren't you leveling it out? Like they were emailing the CEO and the VP of HR and they said, oh, because well, we're not going to do it. So you had this two-year gap of people who could literally walk out the door because you refuse to pay them what you're currently paying market value to, to new employees. And they refuse to do it. Guess what? My friend, I can think she stayed maybe two more years. She just had to move her closer to home and then she quit. Yeah. But by the time you factor in how much she had known, she had learned about the company, right? Knew how to do business for the company. Plus, you have moved her. Guess what? How many thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars you you lost because you refused to increase like 6% pay increase and refused to give them another week of vacation? They told them no. It was like, did you seriously do this shit? So sometimes you, employers do it to themselves.
1: Yeah, but we can't even be we can only protect ourselves like you're saying. And I, I feel like this is that huge push towards transparency. Let's never accept an answer for face value, dig deeper, dig deeper because that's all evidence down the line. And don't we want people to, we want to see your cards. We want to know what you're, what you think about me, because I'm sure after, you know, they told her, no, we're not going to increase your salary or kind of make it comparable to these new people. Then she already had a plan and she yeah. got what she wanted. She got to move closer to home and then she left and it is their loss. It's totally their loss.
0: It is. So I, I don't always feel sorry for um, no. employers. It's, you, they're trying to do what's better within a certain dollar amount. But at the same time, you have to understand what's the cost to lose an employee because it wasn't one or two you're talking about in a two-year span, probably a few hundred they had hired because there's a huge employer. They had 20,000, 30,000 employees um, in multiple states. I think one, two, three, three states. So that's a lot of people and maybe not all of them care to gain pushback, but some of them definitely, definitely did. Okay, last few minutes, I want to read this tweet that somebody tagged me in. Okay. <laughs> I, I did everything I was supposed to do. I got a degree um, went to a coding boot camp, have a portfolio, and great at interviewing. It's really disheartening when people tell me I'm amazing every day and I can't get a job. Every every black woman I know in tech who is unemployed has my same story. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there like, whew, It's not just tech. It's STEM. um, You'll see this a lot in STEM overall. And I wanted to get your feedback because I know you've talked to others who work in tech, um, Erin, and see what your thoughts are on this tweet. Did I lose you? Oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, you're fine. I'm just kind of processing...
0: Um I can tell you coming out of grad school, I struggled to find an entry level job. and I applied entry level, um, even though I already had two years of work experience, plus a master's degree. So for a lot of places, I was not entry level. Um, so, as I look back at it now, I probably should have applied for things that were a little bit higher, but again, I was out there on my own. I'm looking at what my other friends and classmates are doing. So guess what? I did what they did, right? Because that was my, my, my state of mind. What I would say is when we're seeing the same results among a, this, a group of women of color, we say, you know what? Let me see what other people are doing differently. Than what I'm doing. So, what does that networking look like? And this still doesn't even matter because you can. I've, I've had people of color out of Ivy League schools say they have the same issues. Once people know they're black, that they, is is a whole other ballgame. It takes them longer to change out change out employers. So sometimes it is you doing something differently. And this tweet was the game changer. And I say that because the person actually started getting job referrals um, and people saying, hey, try this company, they, you have a better chance here, right? So what we, what I'm seeing is more people crowdsourcing information because we're saying we have a problem. Um, somebody even re- responded, this happens all the time to my mom, it's irritating to hear people who work so hard, get nothing but a lame excuse and told they will ju- they just don't quite have what the company needs. But that's every company, though. So what what I like about social is when you put it out there, especially right now when it comes to tech, it really helps you frame, you're not in this, you did not make this up, and it's a whole lot of gaslighting. So what's the solution? The solution is holding employers accountable and saying, "Hey, this is who really does not look at you like that. This is truly who is hiring, and this is truly who or where you can go to get employment." And yeah, that's- you know,
1: I think sometimes as Black folks, like we wait to be invited in, and we know other folks aren't waiting, so we don't need to. And and first off, there's so much more responsibility on these organization side. We know we're dealing with institutionalism. Like, that's Mm -hmm. what a lot of this shit is. But- what we need to do too is not wait until we're applying to meet people in that organization. Let's get all up in that, you know, like let's create doors where there are none. Let's meet people in different departments all through who could possibly be advocates for us who can kind of give us a more of a heads up into the culture of that organization. Maybe we realize that's a place that we don't want to be. And maybe it furthers the fans, the fire that we do want to be there. But you know, in a respect, obviously in a respectful way, cause we're all professionals here. Like, let's stop waiting to be introduced to people. Like, let's just go in, you know, like there's an event that this company is, um, is throwing. If this is the place that we want to be, then how are we all up in, you know, their, circle of influence in their network, you know, to meet the right people who can then, you know, um, advocate for for us in the inside. And that's only one, you know, way of um, approaching this, you know, like there's several um, different things that we can do, you know, maybe we're just like, we um, are getting the same answers from the same people, maybe we need to all like, just branch out and be in different, you know, spaces um, that, can possibly, like, give us, you know, more um, opportunity. Thinking about your approach of, like, being the solution. Like, when we're so wrapped up, like, those moments when I know, like, I am the best person for this job, like, that's when I'm doing my best salary negotiations. Like, that's mm-hmm. when I've, like, sold myself. You know, like, you just can't get any better than, like, who I am and what I have for this work. And I get everything I ask for. Yeah. It's, like, really you know, I'm not like that all the time, but the yeah. majority, every position that I've applied to probably in the last 10 years, I've gotten, you know, an offer. And then the ones that I've like gone through that process, I've gotten, you know, twenty twenty five thousand $25,000 more, um, you know, during the recession, you know, like, I mean, it's, yeah. the shit is like, po- is possible, but it's just, it's how much we position ourselves. So it's not just a, I'm not going to look at your resume or, you know, you're a good fit, but we're in there.
0: Yes, I absolutely love it. Erin, thank you so much for joining me today. This is the actual, I know it goes by so quickly. This is the end of this month's career strategy Saturday. Yes, it is only once a month, especially during the holiday season. And as you know, Erin travels, I travel so, Saturdays are generally a better day for us as well, yes. um, except for the one week or the five days we were in Atlanta together. So, <laughs> if you follow me on Instagram. This is Erin, who is um, helping me in Atlanta at my booth, at the Society of Human Resource Managers, Diversity and Inclusion Conference and Expo. So, we will be back next month. If you still have questions, you can definitely send them to me um, at info at positive.com higher and that's h-i-r-e dot co dot c-o so we would love to hear them um discuss them live we did not get to every question today i thought we would but i wanted do to tweet even though somebody tagged me and i just thought it was it's i get tagged in those from time to time that one i didn't respond to um i was just busy that day but i did i did want to discuss it today all right everybody we will see you next month so stay tuned um and I hope this has helped you. Let me know. I'd love to hear that too. Have a great and weekend, everyone. Yes, please do. So you can DM me on Twitter too. So, um, or, t- or, or tweet. tweet me. So definitely. Erin, any parting words?
1: Um, I just want to thank everyone for their time. And I appreciate, you know, having, this opportunity to share a little bit about what I know and be responsive to you that um, submitted questions. And I look forward to seeing you next time. You can find me on Instagram at intuitive leadership or on Twitter at um, Aaron, a Browder.
0: Okay. All right, everybody until next month, have a great one. We'll talk to you then.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye.